0: All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today from South Dakota talking to Kelly in Portland, Oregon. How's it going today, Kelly? Uh,
1: It's fine. How come I don't get to know where you are in South Dakota? I get to be in Portland, Oregon. You get to be in South Dakota. No, just, I want to hear it's a large state.
0: Uh, It is, but there's only really two towns. So let's say I'm in eastern South Dakota. <laughs> Breadcrumbs for all the new listeners. You got to go back and find out where I am. So, oh wow, yes. So I'm I'm here. You're you're there. I'm in the barn. You're in the closet. Um, how is it? You're you're doing well. Then it's uh, as we record. It's hot. It's hot here. It's hot in Portland. You are surviving.
1: Yeah, I'm doing home renovation projects, and it's a nightmare. I'm re- trying to make this camper livable for my mom, and I just like destroyed basically a perfectly good camper to make it have a little bit more space. Is the four square feet going to be worth it? Probably not. Probably Probably not not. for the damage that I've done. Also, all we wanted to do was change a light fixture in our kitchen and then it turned into a whole fucking thing because the people that flipped our house, surprised, didn't give a shit about how well the house was put back together. And when we took the light fixture down, the light box that holds it into the ceiling, right? Uh, There's two screws that you screw the light fixture into the light box that's mounted in the ceiling. Well, Whenever they changed the light out, they must have broken those little points where the screw goes in. So they just put a fuck ton of masking tape on the screws to hold it in there just enough so that the light wouldn't fall down. So when we took it out, of course, it completely fucking fell apart. So great. Great. Now there's just a giant hole in our ceiling. Oh, and by the way, it was wired really strangely and I didn't understand why it was wired that way. So of course, with my zero electrician experience, I was like, this is wired incorrectly. I disconnected some wires and then our bathroom, everything stopped working. So that was cool. So I had to, on the fly, just do my best to like remember how it was connected. I connected it wrong the first time, but turns out if you connect it wrong, your house doesn't blow up, which was great because I did connect it wrong. But then I connected it right the second time and the bathroom works again, but we still have a hole in our ceiling. How are you, Daniel?
0: I'm uh, l- great, less uh, less interesting on my part. I mean, I did actually t- t- fix a toilet. I had to take it out oh. of its thing and put little whinges in it and set it on, and that was a oh. goddamn nightmare. Um, yeah, YouTube will tell you how to I do mean, everything. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, this dude was like step by step by step, perfect. So that was a, that was a nightmare. But um, yeah, no, that's the only home renovation thing I've done, and that was a little while ago, so... Easy for me. I'm living an easy life, Kelly. You as a homeowner are really putting in a lot of work, but this is not a a podcast about the differences between the haves and the have nots. No, this is a podcast about Bob Dylan. Kelly and I listen to a random Bob Dylan song every single week. No, not really, but you know, sometimes. And we get together at the end of the week. I mean, we do try to make it a week and we, uh, you know, listen to it, make a playlist about it. And then we get together right here to talk about said episode. This, Kelly, is our fifth year of doing this podcast. And this is our fifth year of entering what we like to call Music Video Month. That's right. Last year, I said we would never do it again. And guess what? We're here. Music Video Month, once again. I've been listening to Bob Dylan... For most of my life, Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the house number on Baltic Circle in the Davis Islands neighborhood of Tampa, also known as 8HI-3336 in the National Register of Historic Places. This is the, this, this, week, is the is it, to, sorry, this is the, why is this is the Regis of all of them,
1: I swear to God. This is the number of a random house in Tampa. It's strange but true, it's inconceivable, it could happen to you.
0: kelly we spent the entire week listening to a song off of 1990 1990s under the red sky this song is called under. unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable um before we get into whatever we can with this song, and especially the music video, which we're going to spend most of our time on, how was your week with the song, with the playlist just in general?
1: I mean, the playlist is good. It turned out pretty well. It's not as eclectic as some of our playlists. So like, no. I think we're missing a lot of genre representations in it, but it, it ended up being really good. Is this the podcast about our playlist? Because that's what I want to talk about. This song is whatever. It's really repetitive, and I don't care about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's I mean, that's about it. So we're, we'll get into that. And I, I think I definitely agree with that. Um, little little bit of context if, if we need any. Uh, this was recorded with a lot of Under the Red Sky in two sessions. This one was in mid-March to early April. Uh, Bob Dylan's on guitar. Uh, Wadi Wachal is on guitar as well. Al Cooper is playing keyboards. Don Waugh, who helped produce it, uh, is on bass. Kenny Aronoff is on drums. And I believe Bruce Hornsby is on piano um but oh, that, that oh, could that's be wrong right. cuz he was here hanging out and right. doing some and apparently there's <laughs> a long outro with like really great piano too that I I might have I mean you asked me if we were doing a live one and honestly this song just sort of warped all my energy out I'm like I don't care um <laughs> he did end up playing it 29 times from 92 to 2004 I think he played it at 92 95 tour and then 2004 so it wasn't like consistent it was random so i'm sure there's some you could go listen to on the youtube um like a lot of stuff that we've talked about I mean the last um, TV our TV talking song was the last under the red sky we did last year and just like with that one this one kind of is the same it's a, a song that's pretty repetitive a lot of lyrics easily interchangeable not really a story going on uh, not much of a message though TV talking song at least had that going for it uh, but this one Clinton Halen believes that uh, April 20th was when this was overdubbed there are mixes Um uh, like credits that say, you know, after the harp and vocal because of the harmonica is also piped in. So after the harp and the mm. vocal overdubs and then also after a lyric change. So he he has at least two different vocals of this. song. Wait,
1: does he mean harmonica by harp? Does he refer to it as a mouth harp? Is that what? Oh, oh. I mean,
0: they wrote they wrote after harp and vocal. No, on on the tape credit is after harp and, and vocal overdubs. And That's then so others after lyric change. I mean, I think a lot of people still call it a harp, a mouth harp. I'm, I'm sure, really? you know, again, Kelly, this was 30 years ago. It's a long time. Wow. I know. We might not call it that now, but who knows what people were doing back in 1990. So, kind of crazy. <laughs> um this uh incredibly was released as a single in 1990 with <laughs> another song on Under the Red Sky uh that we've not listened to uh called 10,000 Men. So, we'll get to that at some point, Kelly. Don't you wait. This song actually, uh, don't you wait? Just you wait. Just you wait. Um this song the single itself went to number 70 in Canada and insanely in October of 1990 went to number 21 on Billboard. So this was actually on the radio. I mean, you can hear it on a radio. Let's be really honest. I mean, yeah, it's not. Yeah. The song itself, I mean, is repetitive and boring, but we do have harmonica. And we I mean, you you like harmonica. Was that a nice. Were you expecting that was the, the only, harmonica?
1: Really the only note that I put out I was like the harmonica sounds like a train. That's cool. <laughs> that's,
0: incredible. That's incredible. basically all I put. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I there's, I don't want to belabor the point here. Um, it would be nice to have a, a quick sort of episode. I want to talk a lot about the music video, but I do want to talk about the song itself. Um, someone compared this to a Traveling Wilbury song, which you know he had just done two years ago. Mm. And I can agree with that. I mean, it's just very rocky, bouncy, blah, blah, blah. Michael Gray is a lot meaner, really hates this shit. Um, he calls this, quote, a hopeless piece of raucous sludge plucked from the obscurity off Under the Red Sky and issued as a single. But I went down a rabbit hole at that point about rockism. Do you remember? we t- Have we talked about that on this show at all? I don't know. Like rockist rockism. So I, I looked it up and I, I think every time I see the word, I kind of, I always associate it with butt rock. Like it's just like really boring, repetitive, whatever. But there's actually like, you've heard of poptimism. No. What? No. Okay. So, so rock, rockism and poptimism are kind of two, com- I don't know if they're competing, if you will. I think that it's changed a lot over time. What I can understand, because I think it'll come up a lot when we talk about this era, especially, and, and especially this time period in America, too, where, where we're shifting from rock and roll to pop music as the main form of culture, if you will. Rockism sort of posits rock and roll as the norm, right? The normative default choice of American culture, which is funny because Jazz is over here saying, what the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, but, but essentially everything stems from rock. So this idea of rock being the default then permeates into, I don't know if you hate, but you look down on even people like David Bowie and stuff that are more experimental mm. or more pop oriented. And then poptimism was something that happened in the 2000s where we you know we've all reevaluated pop music you know even me as a kid growing up with rock music i hated pop music i was brought up in that culture to hate that kind of stuff and now i definitely listen to it a lot more and i go back and i listen to those earlier stuff you know back in the day you couldn't question how good the Beatles were or Bob Dylan's place in the canon, right? The Beatles were number one for Rocket, for um, Rolling Stones, best albums of all time. Whereas now it's Marvin Gaye, right? Things have changed a lot in 20 years, you know? Um, But now they talk about poptimism sort of, it was a good thing to reevaluate a lot of pop music and get away from rock just being the default. But now it's sort of like other critics have pointed out that there are now with pop music, it's like, if you don't listen to Beyonce or Taylor Swift or something, it's not, it's not, it doesn't matter if you just like don't like that music. You not listening to it or or liking it is now sort of um, indicative of uh, your hatred, basically. Like mm. a sign of your hostility, right? So there, are, there were unquestioned things before, and now there's kind of unquestioned things now. And where do you sort of navigate that? And I think that's just like a broader American thing, too, where we're kind of – it's hard to talk about this kind of stuff, right? Because at the end of the day, it's just your taste. Oh, yeah. And we – I think on this podcast, we've talked about that a lot, and I think we just kind of like – we kind of are way more forgiving of music than we were when we were younger, and I think it's funny to be maybe a forty-year-old critic or something being, I don't know, really really upset about stuff like this. And and it's just weird to me that somebody would still ride hard for either at the expense of the other. Like if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. And maybe talk about that, but don't you don't need to? It doesn't need to be the opposite. Where like it, because it has a guitar, we just like throw it away automatically, right? Whereas before, it's if it has a dance beat, it's gone. You know that kind of stuff. I don't yeah,
1: know. I definitely. <laughs> even just being 33 holding that view seems very childish, like to completely just write stuff out of hand because I mean, it's, you know, we do that all the time, red versus blue, all that kind of bullshit, but it's, it's so dumb. It's so dumb, especially when it comes to art to really limit yourself for no other reason than some kind of what, what people think about you. That's really stupid. Like I, I, I'm way too selfish and self-possessed to let other people tell me what to like <laughs> at this age. is just like very dumb. Uh, but I mean, I, I've talked about this before, too, in the scope of just guitar stuff, where inevitably every you know five or 10 years, somebody will come out with an article, a fucking New York Times opinion piece or something, where they're like, guitar is dead. No one's playing guitar anymore. And it's like,
0: because... Well, it's a novel. The novel's been dead 15 sure. times over the last 20 years. You know, it's like, yeah, no.
1: But the only example they point to, it's like, we don't do... We're not doing 80s fucking thrash metal anymore that's what they're saying because that's why guitar is dead and Like uh, this guy I I think I've mentioned him before I definitely have uh, Tyler Larson who's a YouTube guitarist and he's a music teacher and stuff He he's like uh, there's guitar in everything I listen to lo-fi hip hop there's guitar in that because people aren't doing crazy shredding 80s solos with you know and wearing spandex and rhinestones and shit doesn't mean they're not playing guitar none of that has anything to do with playing guitar like if you look for it it is there just because it's not that same application like come on man you're ridiculous. The guitar is not dead. And more people, you know, like with lots of other hobbies, more people played, started playing guitar in 2020 because they had the time to actually do something they enjoyed than, than you know, many years preceding it. It's like, this shit's not dead. You're just an asshole.
0: <laughs> and it's like, and even Taylor Swift's got it. I mean, Beyonce went country and had, had some stuff on there too. And also the biggest record as we record this right now is Olivia Rodrigo, Sour. And I was like, I'm going to listen to this because, you know, I never am on the trend as it's going. You know, I always like three years later hear about, you know, what was popular. And I'm like, oh, it's actually pretty good. That record is all guitars. It's just her. She's just a young girl playing guitar and it's pop music with guitars. And I was like, oh my God, I did not expect this to have guitars. And that's my own bias where I'm like, oh yeah, I guess we, I always think that there's not going to be a guitar with something popular and it's not true. I mean, it just isn't true. So uh, anyways, that was a tangent on rockism, but it is interesting. I'm kind of interested. But when I do hear the term rockism, I just think butt rock. And it does help me in a way because when he calls it rockist sludge, I do think, man, this is butt rock. And butt rock to me is just repetitive, boring. Musicians cannot really be having that much yeah. fun playing the song. Like I said before, it reminds me of TV talking Song. Apparently, you know, he for this record came in with a bunch of lyrics and went to town. And you know, there's a lot of nursery rhyme stuff on Under the Red Sky. Ironically, we've gotten none of the real big nursery rhyme type songs because we've done God knows episode 13, Born in Time, 42, and TV Talking Song. Um, is there anything going on in this song that you can see? Did you find a narrative through or no anything of the sort?
1: No, I mean it's it's like everything like clearly he's trying to evoke something. But the, everything, the ideas are so disparate that it just falls, it just yeah. turns into nothing. There's just like soup. You could really replace any word. You could just say, this is this and that is that. Things are happening, man. That's where we're at. <laughs> 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 it's unbelievable. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. unbelievable. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> like, okay, cool. Thanks, greatest poet laureate person, whatever. Fucking, what is it called? The Nobel, yeah. Nobel Prize winning. An,
0: he's a Nobel laureate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> great. Great job.
0: It's incredible. Um, I mean, Halen notes, you know, because he has apparently access to every single, you know, fucking lyric that's ever existed. Um, He he makes the point that we've talked about a lot on this show, which is going from the first to the second to the third. You know, there's this moment where it's a very personal song gets diluted to second person. So talking about you, the amorphous. And then finally, like, I'm just talking about the the abstract in total. So, again, I don't think it's that important of a song that we need to really dive into this, right? Because some people have their own theories about what it is, but I just, who cares? I think he just had this beat and he has Bruce Hornsby for the afternoon and he's like, let's go. Let's just get that piano. Let's go.
1: Yeah. I think you would have to dig really, really deep to make a cohesive song about this. And it would be mostly projection. It would really be you just kind of making something up to fit whatever idea that you have in your head, which I mean, whatever, that's part of art. But like, I don't know, this is anything, anything you could come up with that would be a, a complete piece, I think would be a reach for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's it's more of a struggle for, you know, the Bob Dylan podcast industry because we built <laughs> a good section of our show based upon the lyrical analysis. Yeah. And thank God we're a music video month, Kelly, because what else would we say? It's I don't know. Um, just a couple of notes that stood out to me as I listened to it. I just kind of went down and I was like, I'm just going to put my put my first thoughts when i first listened to it um so we got a line in the first verse where he says you go north and you go south just like bait in a fish's what mouth and i did laugh at first but it's actually not so bad i mean it's like bait in the mouth and you're maybe i'm playing too much red oh then wait does he just mean like and...
1: it's food going through a fish because it goes in their mouth and then they poop it out it goes
0: in their mouth and then they're going north and south like they're going all over the place uh... like you are kind of that kind of thing oh, really? so i said weird but it works and then he says you must be living in the shadow of some kind of evil star and i'm like the sun like <laughs> what does that mean I don't know. <laughs> um and then the next verse uh, it's undeniable uh what they'd have you think it's indescribable it can drive you to drink and i was like damn okay that's pretty dark right there um and then later the probably the best part about this is when he sings uh now they say it's the land of money whoever thought they could uh, oh no, sorry. They say that it's the land of milk and honey. Now they say it's the land of money. Whoever thought they could make it stick. It's unbelievable. You get this rich this quick. And that, that is the only part. Not only does he cram a lot vocally, which he does. I love it when Bob does that. And he does that there, you know, he says all of that really, really fast. And it sounds really good. That's probably my favorite moment of the song, but it also, it's like sort of the basis for the music video, if you will, just like, kind not really, but kind of, I guess. um, and, I mean, only him driving the chauffeur with the fucking pig, like right. So we're making some heavy-handed stuff here, but you know, I like how he sings it, and it's not a, it it doesn't, it's not horrible, I guess. Because if your idea is you're gonna sort of critique America or whatever, that is a critique, and that still holds up today. You can look at that and say, oh, I kind of understand that. Um, Yeah, and then later on, you know, uh, kill the beast and feed the swine, and I was like, okay, well, there's our pig. So clearly, we're just taking stuff from this and using it uh scale the wall and smoke that vine uh no smoking in our music video but we do see the license plate at the end that says lsd has lsd on it exactly so (laughs) maybe that's where we got that from uh later on we get bob dylan saying every lady in the land oh there once was a man with no eyes every lady in the land told him lies that is our one nursery rhyme quota for under the red sky because there is a Michael Gray goes more deep into it and literally anything nursery rhyme. I don't think I have the capability of like caring as much as Michael Gray cares about it. And he's such a great writer about that. So if you're, if you like the nursery rhyme stuff or want to know more, uh, there was a man who had no eyes is the riddle. And he uses that riddle in this song. And again, that's probably why the song is probably pretty good. He probably does stuff and it is supposed to be lighter because there is a nursery rhyme element to it. So I guess you kind of have to give it a pass on that, but a modern listener wouldn't quite know that. So spoilers for later on, does this song work or not? Next line, he says he stood beneath the silver sky and his heart began to bleed. And I was like, your record is called red sky under the red sky (laughs) under the red, just say red, not the silver sky. I mean, Bob would be the one to not do it on purpose, but I'm like, dude, oh, you, even as a unifying factor, make this song actually part of the record. Get out of <laughs> here. And then later he says, turn your back and wash your hands. And I was like, where was this song in 2020? Oh, this okay. is how we get people to wash their hands, even though that ended up not being a thing we needed to really do. But it doesn't matter. We didn't know. We were naive back then. We were just babies. It's we were true. just babies in March of 2020. Some say it, March 2020 is still still with us. The final verse is the only thing that I found interesting from Halen's, um, uh, you know, writing on the subject. That that last verse uh, was completely flipped in another version. Uh, he sings, "It's unbelievable, just got to be indescribable, indestructible, way beyond me." Turn the thread and stretch the hide. Do what you're told and come inside. Every dog will have its day. It's unbelievable that it would go down this way." There is also a darker line too, where he talks about all the silver, all is gold, all the sweethearts you can hold, the first bridge uh, that don't come back with stories untold are hanging on the tree. Oh. So he's talking about stories on the tree, but there's an alternate take where he says, all the silver, all the gold, all the jelly that can be rolled, all the sweethearts that you can hold, all hanging on a tree. So talking about people, the sweethearts in the tree, which is a little bit darker. Again, Bob would be like, that's too dark. Take it out. But the jelly can't be rolled. That's such a like nursery rhyme to me. When I, when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, that would fit here on this album of nursery rhymes. Talk about the jelly yeah. more.
1: Those are many more thoughts than I had. I just I tried. Man, I couldn't hold on to anything. It's just like moving from thing that didn't seem to matter much to the next thing that didn't seem to matter much.
0: <laughs> You really have to take it really line by line and like even try to find anything interesting, which is kind of a tedious way to kind of go about it. So, um, lots of good lines. Bob Dylan's a great writer. There's probably some really good stuff here. And he plays on all this stuff. And, you know, even our brains not knowing certain things that he was into at that time, we're just not going to know. And that's fine.
1: that
0: Kelly he also made a music video for this a promo video if you will back in the day this was definitely a thing people did um, there's some speculation that this was like another uh, film project by Bob, like sort of, a, again, a promo, not only for the song, but also for what he hoped to be the next sort of movie. Um, this was the era of Thumb on Louise, which you can definitely see in this, in this video. And, you know, Bob had just come off of a, of a movie called Hearts of Fire, which we have still not watched here, but maybe at some point we will. That came out in 1988. So he is um, a movie person. Can't say a movie star, definitely not a movie star, but he is definitely making movies. Um, So that that, I think there's a little bit of probably truth to that Um, before we kind of go through the video. What what did you think about the video as a whole and what did you I know you watched some other stuff from
1: 1990. Oh, yeah. This video is nuts. Um, which made me want to look at other videos. I was like, Is this part of the landscape? Is this what we were doing in the '90s? But yeah, it was, it was a ride, man. Um, and it is not like other stuff from the '90s. So just for a yeah. quick reference, uh, the Billboard Top 100, like of the year of 1990, the number one song was Wilson Phillips' uh, "Hold On." You know, "Hold On for Um, Hey, uh, you know, re brought back in like 2011 for the end of Bridesmaids, where my Rudolph and. Um, Kristen Wiig are just, like, emotionally singing in
0: <laughs> the wedding. Oh, and they, they came. They were in I mean, the movie. it's great that's for right. a joke.
1: Oh, my God. I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. that's good. That was a good movie. <laughs> uh, Pridesmaid's still fantastic. Um, but, yeah, so that video is just the three of them singing in what I can only imagine are the Sierra Nevadas because they're clearly in California because it also cuts to them on the beach singing into the camera. Uh, and then it cuts to them walking down the street, and I'm assuming L.A. because there's lots of – it's, like, very boardwalky, um, like, venice type of thing. Uh, singing into the camera and then them in the woods singing into the camera. So it's just that. It's just them sitting or occasionally walking, singing into the camera. Um okay, so so not not at all like this video. Number two song of the year is uh sets It Must have been love. It must have been love. All you know, that's on I know
0: the song, but who is Rox what's her name Roxette. Roxette. Roxette.
1: That's all right. When you're too classy to be Roxy, you got to be Roxette. Uh, Yeah, so the other big thing of the late 80s, early 90s, which I'm sure they still do a version of today. I'm sure certain people still do a version of this, but... I think everyone can picture a camera that's kind of circling them in a 360 degrees, you know, slow, different angles, but lots of flowy, like kind of Mm. just misty backgrounds and, uh, you know, very emotional singing. Not always into the camera because we got to get those angles. You seem more dramatic if it's just from a profile view or even a three quarter, you know, but yeah, lots of camera rotating. But apparently that was the song for uh, Pretty Woman. So because I was watching it and there was just like randomly there would be a scene of Richard Gere and I was like, what the? fuck is happening and then i was at julie roberts i was like oh there's clearly a theme here and then i looked at the description on youtube and i said from the uh movie soundtrack for pretty woman i was like oh okay this makes a lot of sense uh and then number three for the year Sinead o'connor's nothing compares Mm -hmm. to you written by prince did you know that
0: Oh, um, I did not know that.
1: Yeah, he did a lot of song. He wrote a lot of songs. Um,
0: I yeah, think I do know that, but I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, well, for other people, I should say. Yeah, he made for a lot other, of No, songs no, I know for, himself, for, for well,
0: other people. Th- after he died, there was a lot of that too, where it's like, "Did you know this was a Prince song? Did you know this was a Prince mm-hmm. song?" So I'm sure I heard it, but I just didn't intone it.
1: Yeah, um, and everyone's seen that one, right? It's Sinead O'Connor with the, the shaved head, and it's just on her face, really oh, close yeah. in on her face the whole time. Um, so again, not like Bob Dylan. Even being a big fan of the '90s, especially the early '90s. Uh, no shade to any of these women. I do enjoy all those songs. Roxette, set one probably being my least favorite, but uh, they're all basically the same fucking song. I'm sorry. They're very, very similar. So it makes sense. We were clearly in a moment in 1990, and that moment was ladies singing softly about hopefully positive things and love.
0: And love. I mean, it's always love. It's always <laughs> got to be love. Stupid love. Uh, yeah, this, this song... Um you know, like we talked about the. I think the only reason why there's even a narrative here is because he took a couple lines from the song and was like, "Yeah, whatever, we'll just do that." Um, Pigs. It took me a while to find stuff. I mean, it, this was. I don't know. There's there's nothing on IMDb for Molly Ringwald and uh, and Sally Kirkland and you know famous people. Like I don't know if again it, it, because it's a promo video. Like did that did it not become a real video? Like. Uh, we've watched, you know, um, When the Night Comes Falling from the Sky and stuff. Those are on IMDb because they're real, right? Tight connection to my heart, real, you sure. know, like it's there. We know the director easily, it's all online. This one was a little bit harder to find. I mean, it's there's just nobody talks about this kind of stuff. So it was directed by a guy named Paris Barclay, um, which we'll talk about in a second. It was filmed in the Mojave Desert on apparently June 24th, 1990. Oh, wow. So I would have been three years old, uh, almost, July 1st. So almost three when Bob is traipsing around. Michael Gray, just because I need to bring him in here, calls it a ludicrous piece of froth. Hmm. I don't know if I agree with the froth, but I definitely agree with the ludicrous part.
1: Well, I take issue with the froth in, in the first place because you can't have a piece of froth. It's not a thing that can become oh, pieces. Oh, it's
0: true. It's kind of, right, right. But Come I mean, on. if it is just one piece that comes out of your mouth, I mean, that's a pretty insignificant thing i mean that's a really damning this video is like a piece of I just take. oh well, i'm taking falls out of your mouth. issue
1: with the word peace peace to me means something that can be broken you can't break a liquid i would go with the word bit bit
0: a bit a, uh, yeah yeah a bit okay well i i just want to talk about kind of all the players in here because i think it'll illuminate a little bit about bob and the song and stuff so paris barclay is a real person he's still around he's a two-time emmy award winning director He is currently doing a show called Station 19, which is a Shondaland production based in guess where Seattle, Washington, which is a part of the what universe? The goddamn Grey's Anatomy universe. So that's going on season four. So he's uh, he's big. He was um, the director for five years uh, at the. um, He was a, a. he was the president of the Directors Guild of America for five years from 2013 to 17. So he's an, apparently an, an incredibly, he's like the go-to guy for people who want to do multiple things because he started his career with music videos, including Bob Dylan's. That was one of his first videos. And um, now is like an executive producer for a Shonda show. So he did videos for Bob Dylan, obviously. Um, I love Wikipedia because they get, they get it wrong. They call the song It's Unbelievable. Uh, he also did, I don't know if you know these because I don't, New Kids on the Block, uh, the song Games. Never seen it. Janet Jackson and Luther, Luther Vandross, the best things in life are free. I can imagine it, but I do not know that song. He's most famous for doing LL Cool J's Mama Said Knock You Out. So that was the big one.
1: is it just him black and white with his shirt off? Just like, you know, doing LL Cool J And rapping. (laughs) Yeah, he's,
0: you know, he's like, you know, down in the Bronx or Brooklyn or wherever. Um, He also did a direct... videos like for film so again like a promo style thing where he's like putting things together with music and things for house party white men can't jump mo money posse and cool runnings so in the early 90s he was kind of i don't know there must have been this thing where people put it on tape and you just watch this on tape or something and it's like mtv won't play it because there's probably a glut of stuff so i don't know you know back in the day this is how you did it You know, I remember back in the early two thousands, even I was, I bought pay-per-views from people on VHS for WWF online and they sent me just a blank tape with, I mean, not not a blank. I mean, they filled it up with a pay-per-view, but I paid them, you know, 20 bucks for the pay-per-view or whatever. Uh, That's
1: illegal, sir. That was in the wild west days of eBay.
0: Wild West days, so I mean, they, they there's a whole system for that kind of shit, and now it's oh, sure. very funny to think about. But uh, maybe back in the day, that was a thing, right? You just like, here's promo videos. You like Bob Dylan? Here's Bob's video promo, you know, because Under the Red Sky's coming out soon, so you want to watch it. <laughs> oh, you also love Bruce Hornsby? <laughs> Great. So uh, I do want to talk about the video. So the video itself is crazy. We start out with this guy. We don't know who this guy is. <laughs> Bob Dylan's noodling I think on, the the guitar- on the guitar around on the... the
1: trunk of a car.
0: What is this? I don't know. What are we doing here? And then he's a chauffeur driver. Like
1: I okay. had to watch the video three times because the first time I was just like I was gonna, I like I sat down to take notes to like watch it and take notes at the same time. I was like, nope, I'm gonna just have to sit here and watch this because there's too, too I much know. happening. <laughs> and I just don't really know what's going on. Yeah. So he's just playing the guitar at the beginning. Does the laying on the on the trunk of a car? Does the car start moving? I couldn't tell.
0: So, I think he's on he's on like his car. Right. I think he's on the car that he picks the guy up later. Right. But it's but it's not his chauffeur car. So oh. he so in or it's not the red car either. Right. So there's three cars in this in this fucking video. They do not delineate the three cars, but you can tell just by the color. And you see the Corvette or whatever, the red car driving down the road, and he was not on the back yes. of it. So you can only assume that Bob is not on that car.
1: But I thought I saw him moving for a second. I was very confused. I was like, who the fuck is driving this? You're on the back of the car. He yeah, Bob turns into a chauffeur, but then also he's possibly a dream version, and 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 then the other guy is driving him around and then i just don't i don't know anyway yeah sorry
0: (laughs) it's no it's wild it's wild and we get the pig of course so that probably a line from the song uh and and obviously probably the most the most like on the nose like you know fucking fat cat wealthy pig in the back um michael gray of course comes in to say at one point but he meaning bob chauffeurs a pig with a ring in its nose the two act equally well (laughs) Ouch. Ouch on Bob.
1: For a second, I was like, what, the pig in the ring? And I was like, oh, the pig in Bob. I get
0: it. And then uh, Clinton Halen helpfully points out that uh, this is a reference to Proverbs 11.22. Like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion.
1: Jesus Christ. I mean, that is definitely a through line
0: as somebody who slept in their car for great chunks of my life i was appalled at this man sleeping in his yeah. car because not only is he not sheltered he's way too exposed he's in the fucking desert it's going to be it's going to get cold but you're also going to get burnt yeah. to a crisp if you're out there at a certain time uh his neck is going to hurt Because of the way that he's laying in the car, it's just not big enough for him. And there's no regard for stealth. And I just, that's not okay. You can't just be a person sleeping in a a car with a thing down. People are going to think that you're dead (laughs) or something bad has happened. You need to be stealthy to think of other people. So this man to me is already a selfish asshole that I don't want much to do with. Who is this man?
1: Some James Dean facsimile.
0: His name is Rob Bogue, I believe. B-O-G-U-E. In the early 2000s, he was on a lot of HBO shows. He was on uh, Sex and the City. He was on Oz, mm-hmm. Sopranos, you know, for a couple of bit roles. Um, mainly he was on Guiding Light, the soap opera, from 2005 until it ended in 2009. Okay. Uh, he also plays uh, FIB agent Steve Haynes in Grand Theft Auto 5. Uh, I also saw him looking at his thing. He was in an episode of The Americans. And I'm like, oh, yeah. He now is on Chicago mm-hmm. Fire, so you can definitely still watch him. As of today, we're just kind of incredible. He didn't look
1: familiar to me at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely just has kind of a normal, normal face. You know, you just he's just American man, generic American man with his white t-shirt walking into a bar. And who do we find at that bar randomly? I mean, it feel, I feel like they already knew one another. So it makes the rest of this whole video not make a lot of sense. Cause like, is your friend just stealing it? Is this a prank? What's going on? But you walk in and lo and behold, it's America's sweetheart. Robbie Robbie Molly Ringwald (laughs) Molly freaking Ringwald Michael Gray once again dropping in to say Dylan at least had the grace not to play the male romantic lead
1: Uh, yeah yeah could be worse.
0: What do, what do we what do we know about Molly Ringwald beyond the the great John Hughes trilogy? You know, you've got Sixteen Candles to Breakfast Club to Pretty in Pink.
1: Yeah, I mean, Breakfast Club for sure. I actually, I don't think I've ever seen Pretty in Pink, but I'm, I know I've seen Sixteen Candles and definitely seen Breakfast Club a million times. It's one of those things that's just like pop culture inescapable, right? Like even if you hadn't seen those movies for some reason, um, you've seen enough things riff on it and reference it that you feel like you've seen it no matter what, but... I, um, yeah, I don't know. She's, she's fine. I like her. I randomly yesterday, I was just like wanting to put a movie on and, um, (laughs) not another teen movies on HBO max. And I'm not a huge fan of the spoof movies, but that one, man, that one's still it's, I think it's because it was like one of the first ones and it was done really, really well. I mean, not first, I'm sure, but like of the deluge that would come afterwards that was definitely the first one i remember and i was such a like i watched all of those movies as a kid like american pie you know she's all that all those things i was so in it and they did so good lampooning it it was just like it's like it's incredibly like offensive and, and ridiculous now of course but it's still so funny because they did such a good job and it's like that's fucking captain america that's captain america in this dumb know, comedy I know. I know. From, like <laughs> they're away and anyway all that to say not only were they making fun of Movies that Molly Ringwald was in. She makes a cameo in the fucking movie. I completely oh, forgot. Good. And I was like, ah, what is this? I mean, at least it's you can destiny. laugh at yourself,
0: you know, that's good. Yeah, I think for me, it was it's uh, you're either going to see Molly Ringwald around because she's definitely still an actress. And or you're going to wonder how the fuck a show like Two and a Half Men existed. And like, who is this really uncharismatic man next to charlie sheen <laughs> acting right and then you're right. like oh fuck it's he sticky. just happened to be in a movie from the 80s like and yeah. then he spun it into this yeah. goddamn show that plagued us all for a decade
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool uh, incredible. so you're, so in you're blaming molly ringwald for that sorry that's what i just wanted to no no, no i would never blame no, no, that's fine i, I would you. never blame molly yeah
0: i would blame john Hughes. yeah he's dead so he can't take <laughs> the blame here um uh in 1990 she was definitely coming off of the pretty and pink, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, which again, you have to do. She was a teenager. She was great. I mean, really great. Um she got a lot of really big roles and she got to do a couple movies right around the time of this, including a movie that nobody saw called Strike It Rich that only it, the only thing inside of it, it's like a it's an old movie from like the 50s, so I think it's a remake, but it had significant updates from none other than Harvey Weinstein who demanded all these things to be recut. And there was, like, huge tension on the set because the, I think she signed up to do it because of the author, like, Tom Ridley or Tom Scott or something like that. And uh, he wanted to just redo the whole thing. And so there was this, like, beef on, like, I don't want to do it because you're saying to do it, but he doesn't want to do it. And, like, I'm loyal to him, not you. And now because of what happened with that piece of shit, now we have this story where it's like, Yeah. Fuck that guy. I fucking hated him back in 1990. <laughs> so strike it rich. I don't think there's nothing. There's no information about it uh, on on the app I use called Letterboxd. There's eight. There's eight ratings, like eight people oh, wow. of the millions of users have rated it. No one, nothing. Huh. The other movie she was in, though, was called Betsy's Wedding, which has uh, Alan Alda directed it. Catherine O'Hara, Joe Pesci, Samuel L. Jackson, Mad- Madeline Kahn. Oh, shit. Um, at the time, it was called a Threadbare Concoction. Uh, it was narcissism flourishing like ragweed, but I think with a lot of that type of humor, I'm sure it's aged really well. And Catherine O'Hara, of course, is a fucking star. Samuel L. Jackson's one of the biggest people ever. But Joe Pesci, funnily enough, people will ask him about this movie because it was pretty much panned at the time, and he refuses to answer questions about <laughs> Betsy's wedding. So I don't really understand it. Um, she was nominated, Molly Ringwald, as for the worst actress Razzie, um, so she lost to Bo Derek. In ghosts, do- ghosts can't do it. Nope. I've never heard of that. What did you think about the getting the punching scene, the, the fight? Uh,
1: it's interesting that you th- you said, do they know each other? Because I didn't consider that. I was very confused about the fight scene though, because that I was like, is that her boyfriend? Is that why he's assaulting a fucking stranger out of nowhere? Because if not, that's extreme. That's extreme. Yeah. I mean, it would be extreme even if it was this guy like hey, you talking to my woman, but he didn't even do that. He didn't even do that. He just cold cocked some guy out of nowhere. You There's more a to the story
0: we don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: yeah. And then the bartender, the, like constantly going back to him and he just places the bat on the on the bar as if he's going to give it to the guy getting his ass beat, but then decides, nope. no, I'm going to pick it up. And instead of swinging it and doing damage, he just boop, bunt, just does What? Okay. Done. Bad guy's thwarted. Uh, I hope he made like,
0: you know, probably made 200 bucks for the day. I mean, I hope he got paid well Yeah, because, yeah, they all put in a lot here, all the extras in this incredibly bright bar that definitely is real and definitely (laughs) wasn't like a convenience store that they just moved stuff out of the way. I mean, it was just it was just really, really bad. And then we get them jumping in the car, of course, and then we ride off into the Mojave Desert, into into Joshua Tree, where uh, recently we have uh, talked about. Buffy the Vampire Slayer going there for her visions and of mm-hmm. course you know there was something you know Bob was really reading into Buffy you know to 10 years before before <laughs> right. her time he right. was like yeah if we want to go and you know have sex out in the desert we need to go to Joshua Tree we need to go to the Mojave yeah. And sure enough they did I got into looking at the time apparently there was a poll back in 2013 uh this seems crazy but apparently what was it um one out of every five people who has been to a national park has had sex in the national park. Really? Um, which seems like high and low at the same time. I'm like, surely that's that's more. I don't actually know. So anyways, that was a poll back in the day. But they also polled as to where are the best places to have sex national park wise. Number 10, the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. Number nine... Uh, <laughs> Congaree. I've never actually heard of this one in South Carolina. Number eight, Big Bend in Texas, which yeah, you can get way the fuck out there. So I get that one. Uh, Number seven, uh, Biscayne, Biscayne Bay, right? In in Florida. So that's number seven. (laughs) Number six is a country, American Samoa. So of course, I mean, just get far (laughs) away. So there you go. Number five is Arches in Utah. Number four was Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. I'm like, God, who's having sex in a cave? Uh, Number three is Redwoods, which I mean, I get that out in the woods. Good, good, good woods. Uh, Number two is Dry Tortega, in Florida as well, <laughs> nothing, nothing dry in that place. And number one <laughs> is Zion. Apparently, I'm like, why Zion? I mean, Zion's cool, but are people just they want to just do it in the Angel Landing or whatever? Is it just is it just because there's like a slight religious overtone to it? So it's like
1: maybe I did not realize this was a thing. I've never had sex in the National Park. I then
0: I we know. they 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 I guess have sex. I mean, right? So they're definitely. Laying in the grass together.
1: Well, I mean, I assumed. She just I ran assumed, out of the and car. Then, But then we have to go to a, a motel. To oh. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, you knew she was going to do something shady because that look on her face, they pan to her face for a second while she's on the side of the car. Like, I'm going to do something bad. And then she ran. I thought she was going to run away. Like, I thought she was like, I'm running away from this guy. I've made a huge mistake. She's like, come here, come here. I'm
0: like, oh, God.
1: And then they fuck Apparently, Like, I I would assume. But then they go immediately to a motel to have sex again. I'm like, okay, you can have sex more than once in a day. I get it. But like, we just did this. Why do we need to pay money? To go to a motel, and we've also yes.
0: missed a huge chunk of things. Like, are you stealing her? Did you run off together? Do you no, know you one another? Her? Like, why are you out here doing this? And then, yeah, they go to the Bel Air Motel, which is the best of the budgets. And then, right. <laughs> and then, like Thelma and Louise, we get fucking dude, or not dude, but in this case, not Brad Pitt, but Mollywood Ringwald stealing, stealing the wallet, stealing the belt. Sure, why not? Yeah,
1: let's put that in.
0: And then yeah. bouncing. You think that that belt is going to come back into play, but we never see Molly Ringwald again because she drives away and that's all we could afford of Molly but Ringwald. But we
1: do see the belt again. We do see the belt in the wallet again. There's a potential that this video is very sinister. When the dude wakes up, he notices his shit's gone, right? And then he's like, running out of the motel, and then the the lecherous motel owner, because women only lust after dudes, hate other women, because when Molly Ringwald's on the arm of the guy coming in, she's like, fuck you for having a boyfriend, because women be shopping, and uh, women are also thieves, so women are people that can't get along with other women, because all women are bitches, Uh, all they do is lust after dudes, oh yeah, then there was that cross shot of the guy too, just like, this is his junk, (laughs) that was so weird, Uh, and they are, um, yeah, lying thieves, so anyway, that's what women are, and... As he's leaving the motel, she's letching on him, like, having a daydream about having sex with him. He goes down the road because he's got no car now, he does have his radio, thank God. He has a little handheld radio with him because that'll save you in a survival situation. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be so cruel about that because you could, like, listen to emergency broadcasts if it's were the apocalypse, but it's not. You just don't have a ride. So he's, still, like, hitching down the sidewalk. Thank God, Chauffeur Bob shows up to pick him up. But in the front seat of Chauffeur Bob's car is the wallet and the belt. So, does that mean he caught up with Molly Ringwald and fucking what, killed her? Because she's not there, but the stuff is there. So, like, what the shit? Like, you caught up with her, didn't grab the guy's car, but you grabbed all of his shit. And what did you do with her? I mean, maybe, I hope he just let her go. But,
0: like, that's dark, man. Where's Molly? Justice for Molly. If this is, like, a, a promo, again, for some movie idea that he might have had, then, yeah, I guess you could fill in the gaps for a lot of this stuff. And that is kind of, I won't say interesting because it will probably be a terrible movie. But... It is something, right? That's pretty cool. I mean, I'm going to give it that. But I want to go back really quick to our lady, so our motel owner, owner. Her name is Sally Kirkland. Kirkland, we have probably seen before. She has been in a ton of television shows back in the back in the 70s, she met Bob Dylan in the 1970s. They were romantic probably for about 20 years. So they were on and off together oh, wow. for a long time. She's still around, she's still alive. Um she was in a lot of stuff from Three's Company, To The Incredible Hulk, to Murder, She Wrote, to Charlie's Angels, to Beretta, to Starsky and Hutch, and to Roseanne, which is probably the one we might have seen her on this. I vaguely recall her as David's mom, Johnny Galecki, David, his mom. So she was an, an incredible alcoholic, incredibly abusive to David, and... Uh, There's one episode, a Christmas episode, where they get snowed in, and Darlene sees how abusive she is on the first part of it, and she's like, "Mom, you need to let Johnny, sorry, David, move in with to the Connor house." And apparently, Jackie is against this, Dan is against this, but then after Roseanne sees how you know she treats her because she goes over there and she's like hey you know our kids are together we should probably get to know one another like david doesn't maybe is it okay if he comes over like just trying to suss it out and basically she's just like she's drunk as hell and she's like you know he's a piece of shit worthless piece of shit i kind of vaguely remember it i don't know if you remember it at all but
1: yeah i mean that that sounds really familiar yeah
0: so she's the mom in roseanne uh david's mom and um he leaves and then moves in with darlene and You know, then, you know, continue on with the show. So that was season five. She uh, was a Best Actress nominee, Oscar uh, Best Actress, for a movie called Anna from 1987. I do not know that. I was not alive. Um, She's best known, apparently, for Cold Feet, the movie Cold Feet. She was in JFK. And she was in Bruce Almighty, 2003. She was the waitress. Uh, In 1989, though, she featured in a movie called High Stakes.
1: We're in the business of taking
0: risks. That's why we're in the game.
1: He's a high roller the best there is at cutting a deal.
0: crazy. I want you to support that stock and I
1: will worry about tomorrow. He's about to meet a woman who will challenge everything he believes in. You must think of dirt. All the men? She's bad. Beautiful. And cuts like a knife. You touch me one more time and I will kill you. To enter her world Window. is to surrender to uncertainty desire. Maybe you like to be the one to save. Looks like I'm the one who needs to be saved. You are so weird. You're the one that's wearing sunglasses in the middle of the night.
0: That had two Bob Dylan songs on it. New Pony, which we have not talked about. And our ninth episode, No Time to Think, which you really, really hated. <laughs> um, those two, mo- those two songs are in that movie. Uh, on Sally Kirkland's website, there is a great little uh, quote in an interview from her about Bob Dylan specifically. She says, quote, high stakes. The movie from 1989 was in a way, the forerunner of blockbusters like Pretty Woman and Striptease. The film opens with Melanie Rose, which is her stripping, to a sexy melody of New Pony. Now, <clears throat> you can't make that sound sexy. So I wanna I desperately need to see this movie. Uh No Time to Think, which you hate, uh, was played during the scenes when Melanie, alone and forsaken, walks through Times Square where she finds a Wall Street stockbroker lying unconscious in front of her house. They fall in love and rescue one another from their miserable lives. High Stakes also features a breakout performance from two relatively unknown actresses. The first one is eventual Oscar winner Kathy Bates oh, as the Wall Street secretary. And number two, to go back to our Mojave Desert, a young 10-year-old Sarah Michelle Gellar. What? As Melanie's 10-year-old daughter.
1: What? Oh, man. Crazy. I didn't know she was in... I mean, I've never really looked into it. I mean, I knew she did Days... Um, all My Children, I think, she was on. That's why she mm. got picked up for Buffy. Um, that uh, So I know she was in that, but I didn't think she had done a movie prior to...
0: Yeah. to that's so, she might have only been in it for a minute, but you know enough to be like, oh, fuck, well...
1: That's... Oh, damn, I definitely want to watch that. I mean, there's too many connections now, man.
0: Well, that's I know. Great. That's one degree. One degree to SMG. I would not have guessed that there was one degree, right? Like... That's yeah. nuts. Later, later, she uh, also in the interview um, talks about how they met and they took a plane during the Th- Rolling Thunder 2 tour in 1976. Uh, she notes that while we flew, I drew him and he drew me on napkins. Oh,
1: hey, we just heard that song.
0: And then they reunited in the 1980s and um, the interviewer asks about them hanging together. Apparently, Bob loves Zuma Beach. In Malibu, in California, somewhere. I don't know. Never been to Zuma Beach. Uh, but she says, quote, once in a sleeping bag on Zuma Beach, when he made me cry describing how imprisoned he felt by his fame. That was one time that they hung out. I know, of course. Uh, I always remember in 1998 watching high stakes with him on his VCR in his Malibu home and showing him my strip for which I was begging him to give me new pony. Uh... He suggested and said, I stripped. He suggested that I stripped to shot of love. But the rhythm of New Pony was easier to dance oh, to.
1: What? This is all so narcissistic and gross. Ha! I don't like it. No, my
0: God. Oh God! Incredible stuff. And anyways, and so I, I don't know. They're probably still friends. She said. I mean, this interview was from 2002, so she was at a tour in 2001. You know, in California. I think she saw him play on Love and Theft stuff. So I think that they probably are still. Friends, and like they're probably doing that. I mean, that's man.
1: Sally Kirkland is totally the girl, the waitress from Highlands. I hate
0: a pony. Her name was Lucifer. How much How much I a pony. Her name was Lucifer. Totally, it's amazing. Uh, and then the end of it, would you get picked up by, um, chauffeur Bob with gloves? He has gloves on too. I'm like,
1: no, what? is the pig in the car still? The pig I is can't... not in the
0: car. So okay. that's like his day job is driving rich people around. His night gig is killing women and picking right. up strangers on the road. Right. So, okay. I mean, this is the first murder Bob. This is the defining character of all of our murder Bob.
1: This is lives. how it all started. He took a, a, a peculiar interest in this young man and was like, Hey, that lady just took off his, with his stuff. I'm gonna kill her for him. Hi, best friend. Yeah.
0: Have I seen you in Guiding Light before? Yeah, get in the car. Let's go. Uh, and then, of course, we'd be remiss not to make a huge deal about the LSD 752 license plate. Um, that's about it. I have nothing more to say about yeah,
1: that. Yeah, so. I just, I, I was, this is clearly intentional. This is a choice. This is a choice. Well, why? I don't know what the numbers mean, but like, okay. is this, Are you trying to tell us this was just like a bad trip and like none of this was real? And Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I could tell because there's a pig.
0: If I was going to guess about anything, I would say that in 1990, everybody's coming off of the hangover of the 80s and are imagining themselves back in the 60s and 70s. They're all Bob's age. They're all 50 years old now. And they can look at that and say, ha, I did drugs once. That was good. (laughs) I miss that. I miss my youth.
1: (laughs) Ferbial sixty nine nice. Yeah, right. I mean, it should have just been LSD sixty nine. That's what we would do today. We would we would just put sixty nine four twenty six twenty totally. I mean, so it should have been
0: LSD four twenty. Oh god! god. Or smoking the uh, vine, right? Because he smokes the vine or whatever. It's like okay, yeah. all right. Let's. Yeah,
1: uh, I will say, um, while the pig is very silly, it looks great. Uh, I mean, maybe just because it's not in HD, I mean, there might be a lot of flaws in there. But the puppet um, in the like the actual makeup of it everything it looks really really good for special effects yeah uh, i don't know it's a believable anamorphic pig it's good
0: yeah yeah I, I thought it was a great job i mean you know michael gray can you know call it froth all he wants and maybe it is on, on a very deep level just crap but it was fun crap i really really enjoyed yeah, crap, yeah. molly ringwald <laughs> being in it sally kirkland being in it like i don't know there's any even our uh director you know um uh, Paris Barclay. I mean, there's a lot of firepower going on here, and I think that's benefits Bob. You know, I think this makes it look good. You know, we watched when the night comes falling from the sky. Uh, next week, we're going to revisit a little bit of that era, and we are we're going to miss this. Is what I'm kind of getting at. I think so. Oh, great. This is the high. <laughs> this is the high. I think Sweet. so. Especially with Bob not playing, right? Bob playing a role and a character and trying to do song like that's something we don't. It's usually for Bob, it's either a weird, you know, sort of like something's happening over here, and either like Duke and Whistle Bob's just walking through the street or Beyond Here lies nothing. He's not even in the video. It's just about that abusive guy and the woman getting away. You know, so it's either that or it's just a performance piece. So mm-hmm. some of the some of the extra some of the music videos we have left are just performances, essentially. They're kinda of like Sweetheart Like You, you know. But even that had kind of a story because there's the lady with the mop. Other ones don't even have a story. So <laughs> You know, we're kind of we're kind of at the bottom. This is why I thought last year we were done. Like, I just I I thought we would just kind of get the rest of it later. But now, you know, we'll try our best, Kelly. Uh, Final thoughts on the video. And do you think that this song or video or any of it works in 2021?
1: Uh, I said anamorphic pig. I meant anthropomorphic or possibly animatronic, but anamorphic is a film. You've just
0: coined a new term. So we're good. You don't have to explain it's already, yourself. Everyone understood. Already a
1: word? <laughs> it's already a word. Okay. Uh, the video, I'm really glad that, it, that we watched it. It made the song worth something which is pretty remarkable considering the video is bonkers and we talked like, way longer
0: than i thought we would just the about video. the video I
1: know. I know because the video the song has nothing going on I know. but yeah man it's, to make such a meal out of the fact that he had a throwaway line about a swine and then just like <laughs> this fucking rando poor man's james dean whatever asshole <laughs> drifter character just I like know. yeah rough. i mean yeah Walt. i don't know it was great does this song work today uh, no the song sucks and it's very like i mean it's totally fine but it's very raw. It, it like you know at first i bristled at it being number 21 but yeah i think you you're right it's this definitely fits in that landscape but that to me makes it not work at all today like it is totally dated there's nothing saving here nor is there worth remaking although spoiler for our playlist somebody did
0: Somebody did. Well, it wasn't really probably their choice. So yeah. they're on a playlist of 80s Bob, so they're going to have to do it. But yeah, no, I, I think that the song does not work. I think the song feels dated as hell. Um, and even the stuff that make it cool, like Hornsby's fucking piano, if it is him, like it's so few and far between. And it's just like, there's, I don't know, there's just nothing to cling on to. The only thing I like about the song is that it continues. It just, it kind of is relentless in its like lyrical push, which I do like You know, you could have like Ain't Talkin' Highlands, you know, Highlands is kind of the same song, right? It's that same steady sort of beat over and over and over and over over again. Yet Highlands will be in our top 10 easily. This one will be in our bottom 10 easily. And what's the difference? Well, seven years and, you know, Bob Dylan regaining an amount of confidence that I don't think he really had at this point. So, which is nice because that makes him a better Better artist than um, somebody that I enjoy listening to, but I do not enjoy listening to this song, so no thank you. But I love the video. Kelly, we were also people in the world. Nope. Did you know, Kelly, that we are a real podcast that talks about Bob Dylan and apparently Buffy the Vampire Slayer, SMG. This is an SMG podcast.
1: No, but we have one of those. We, should we do. So it's, if not, you, it's not relevant here.
0: You can listen to us everywhere you get podcasts. Where you're listening to us right now, you can find all the rest of our episodes right there. Just look around.
1: How convenient.
0: We're also on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Intermittently. Mental health is important. Stay off. Stay off those platforms, my friends. That's right. But subscribe to our podcast. (laughs) Except if you're talking to us. us. (laughs) Well, you know, it's one thing to listen and kind of let your mind wander. It's another thing to get sucked down into the morass. So we're kind of there. We're kind of not. But we're still here. Every time you think we're gone forever... Because it's been a month since we upload, guess what? You're about We're to get six weeks straight of stuff. So uh, <laughs> enjoy Music Video Month because it's going to be great. It's going to be consistent, and we will we'll see you uh, for sure next week. And if you want to give us uh, money and say, "Hey, thanks for talking randomly about Bob Dylan songs," you can do that at patreoncom pod. That's right. Please, and please, and me. thank you. Yeah. you want to um, you know, uh, get an episode uh, sponsored by you? Yeah, you want that?
1: Give us a dollar, and we'll say. That you brought whatever terrible thing happens to the rest of the world. Isn't that something that you want to leave your mark? It's, I think. Totally. The dollar.
0: I think so. You can't frame a podcast, but maybe in the future you can. You know, I mean, <laughs> we don't know what the future is going to hold. So let's just think about that. When we're all consumed by the pigs that are running the world. What is this animal farm? I mean, what's going on? There's probably an animal farm connection here too. Cause the pigs are the smartest ones, right? Like that's, right, yeah. that must also be part of it. I don't know. Kelly, we also make a playlist every week. We don't think about pigs that much. <laughs> what honestly. is this I animal farm? It, it doesn't, it doesn't cross my mind, but our playlist crosses my mind all the time. And this week, I'm with you. It's not our best playlist ever. Uh, we fall back on a lot of old uh, favorites, which I think was good. Um, but uh, yeah, this the playlist was good.
1: Yeah, I think I didn't great. hate it. It was missing some hip hop elements and maybe some like more metally elements that we get to. Like I said, just we just missed out on a couple of genres, but that's okay. We don't have to hit all of them all the time. I think it flowed really well. We don't. It worked. I think it worked.
0: It. Fl- I think it worked too. Welcome back to the playlist. A lot of old, a lot of old favorites. We got Fleet Foxes. Can I believe you from last year? Which. Love that song. Love that record. Uh still still excellent. Uh, Notorious B.I.G., Unbelievable. Oh. You gotta do it.
1: I just said there's an on here. Obviously, there's that song. I wanted to talk about that. This um I'm sure I listened to Ready to Die. My brother definitely had this album, but I don't know if this, I feel like I've never heard this fucking song because this is the best produced track. And I was trying to figure out who made the beat. I was like this, because this is so to me West Coast y which is not him, right? Like
0: famously not. him.
1: Well, I guess no I guess all the the Soul all came out of no. Yeah, that was all West Coast stuff. Yeah, it just feels really like um, like Pete Rock and like that other guy that I fucking died. I can't remember his name. Oh, that's good, Jay Della. It feels way more like I don't n- no shots fired at Biggie. Wow, bad pun. Um, it's uh, it it feels a little more elevated than I thought like P. Diddy was capable of if he is in fact the person producing the beat. I mean, there's clearly a sample in here, but it's just the drums, which are are not anything too fancy, but, um, and that's not what it is. It's there's just a little melody that's in there that I was like, this is really, this is something that I would really enjoy listening to, not just for the historical context of like, this is an important piece of whatever that came out, you know, but like this is a great thing that I would listen to today. And I just like was stunned because I didn't, I don't, his music has value that is not that. That's not what I would go to him for. Right is is a great music production that I I like. I don't know. That's a very convoluted way to say it. This is a great song. Great. This audition.
0: is a great song. Oh, I mean, how often do you visit Ready to Die and stuff? I mean, Tupac had so much more music. I mean, I was way more into Tupac as a kid than I ever was with Biggie, and I don't know if that's yeah. also no, just that, that the West Coast kind of kept going. Uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, Tupac's way more. Sorry, man. He's way more of a poet. I mean, his mom's a fucking black panther. Like there's just he's a little more compelling to me.
0: And there's more stuff, too. I think that's also the thing. I mean, Biggie, like with like with Tupac, too, they they will go forever with a random verse from Biggie and they'll just throw it on there. But he just didn't make as much music. That's just the unfortunate reality. Wolf Parade for the second time. I'll believe in anything. Wolf Parade's good. Small Faces. Yeah, we'll parade is good. Uh small faces for the second time. Uh you better believe it. You better believe I am. That's some rod Stewart right oh, there, yeah. right? Yep. Uh churches for the fourth time. Leave a trace. Really? Again, we're really, we're really um picking out that believable part. The le- did, you like? leave. did you like what I did? Better leave. I didn't, so I was very confused about a lot of it. I'm like, where, where does this go now? I don't yeah, quite no, know.
1: Yeah, no, I made the I made the word on leave. A bowl, and then I put. And then buttons. I
0: ripped the order up right away. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's I did. didn't I didn't pick that up. So as you're listening to this playlist and can't see who actually put the songs on, uh, enjoy that. Enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Nelson for the sixth time. I couldn't believe it was true. We love ourselves some Willie Nelson. Uh, Bouncing Souls for the second time. Only True Believers. One of the great. One of the. They're great songs. Bomb the music industry for the sixth time. You still believe me? From the great Adults 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 EP. Uh, in Vampire Weekend. For only the third time with the great Unbelievers. Welcome to the playlist for the very first time. I don't know. Fletcher, Undrunk. It's
1: jarring. I just wanted something with Un, and I like when I was click, clicking through, I was like, oh, this is so kind of funny. Unfuck fun. like, you. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, okay, whoa. <laughs> good.
0: Let's, let's go. I mean, yeah. definitely uh, can't do that. I guess you could if you can spend time like Superman or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. oh, EMF, of course, Unbelievable, the very first song everybody thought of when they heard Unbelievable. Thank the God. Song Kind of slap still, and I really like don't understand. I thought it would just be pure trash, but I genuinely love listening to that.
1: This uh, yeah. So fun. I, because I immediately thought of this too. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna put that on. Like, of course you already put it on there. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, not know, an idiot. Of course I put it on there. Um, I watched the video for this because I was like, oh, really? Come on. I'm sure this has got to be like '90s gold, and it's just them performing the song. But it did make me think. I was like, oh my god, this is a full band. I'm very confused. Are there instruments on this song? I thought it was just like synth drums and like wiki wikis. They're totally fucking are. There's a guitar that's like doing stuff. They're like It goes, whan wah, 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 I was like, oh my god. Oh my god. And the guy's playing a, a headstockless bass, which is pretty cool because those guitars are just interesting to look awesome. at. Awesome. Um, yeah. They're like a, a band, I guess. But the guy, it's very, very 90s. So it's just them and their funny 90s outfits on a stage jumping around with a very silly hat. Uh, It's everything you want, everything you expect, but yeah. Oh, to be young. Had to be on here.
0: Uh, Abel from The National for the first time. A band called Therapy, question mark, with a song called Unbeliever.
1: It's like, and I I shouldn't even make this comparison. It's like a really, 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 really stepped on bad version of Tool uh, with a singer who's not good. If this person, if this band had a different singer, this could be like an okay band that I totally would have already listened to a million times over by now. But I was kind of shocked because it's like, it totally slots into that time. And this was clearly their biggest album if you look at their top tracks uh, from 94. So I'm sure there's somebody out there who's like, yeah, fucking therapy. You don't know anything about therapy? Are they like a Christian rock group or somehow or something? No I'm just idea. shocked that I've never heard of them. Yeah, he- fans also like Helmet. No fucking shit. Faith No More. Yeah, okay, tell me something I don't know. Yeah, I. so I'm, I'm just shocked.
0: And I almost took it off the playlist, to be honest. I d- it doesn't flow at all. I mean no, it's, it doesn't. it's the one song that unfortunately is there. But yeah. I kept it on to keep the hour length that we try to keep. Uh, Portland's own Blitz and Trapper oh. uh, did uh, a cover of Bob Dylan's "Unbelievable" for that '80s uh, reprise, if you will, of of his material. So I like that play. I like that compilation because they pick a lot of obscure songs, and this being one of those obscure. It's technically 1990, but it's on the yeah. '80s soundtrack. Which I, uh, okay, all right, Blitz and we get it. You know it.
1: that episode of Community where they're making fun of. Uh, it's the ass crack bandit episode. So I think they're they're parroting Hannibal, possibly or some something like that, some kind of show like that. But at the very end of the episode, we're try we're like, they're trying to leave it ambiguous. It's like who is the ass crack bandit? Is it Annie? Is it whoever? Right? And then there's a song that's playing. That's like ass crack and it's like supposed to be like it's supposed to be kind of like a Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds red right right. hand from Scream kind of moment and it sounds just like this song so the whole time I was listening to it I was just like ass crack 25 cents at a time
0: he's taking our souls government <laughs> Do we know who the Askark bandit is? Was it Annie cuz she at the end no, right she never... she went for that walk and she was like
1: Yeah, yeah they they make they leave it ambiguous. And then
0: finally own boss fucking unfucking believable.
1: Yeah.
0: Own with an umlaut, so un un boss. <laughs> own oh, own, own boss. Oh, own, own.
1: Yeah, I just I was just curious if there w- was a song called unfucking believable and there is. And there's actually a million worse remixes of it. So that's fun. Uh but yeah.
0: Really? It was wow. it was fine. All right, well. That's our playlist. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, I, the playlist was good. Listen at your own peril and your own enjoyment. You know, you want to have a good time? Listen to this. You don't want to have a good time? I don't know. Go listen to something Go listen else.
1: listen to Under the Red Sky. Because isn't Wiggle Wiggle
0: on there? you goddamn right. Wiggle Wiggles on there. Kelly, we were also people in the world this week. What sort of recommendations? What would you do this week beyond uh, ripping out your... Um...
1: Camper. Destroying a perfectly good camper? What were um... you listening
0: to while you destroyed... Everything.
1: uh Cake, I just, I mean, I guess inspired by you and just because I also love Cake. They're just like Vampire Weekend if I want to be in a kind of good mood and just, you know, something that's just there that feels nice and comforting. I just, you know, listen to their whole discography again for fun. Uh, and I've been listening to Tool again, too, just because I'm, I can't play the guitar very much anymore because I'm very busy. I'm a very busy person, Daniel. I don't have time for fun or hobbies.
0: Homeowner. Yes. You're a homeowner. We uh,
1: get it. So... I mean, and I've known this before. Like, I just—I'm never going to be a shredder. I'm never going to be somebody who can play the guitar super fast. And I'm not super interested in that. Like, it's cool to pull off a, a, a awesome solo, but I, I just
0: like sweetheart, like you. Yeah, but that's you know, not fast. You've done yeah, on this, podcast. and that,
1: like, so, so that was totally manageable. But as far as like mile a minute shredding, let's see how many notes we can play for the sake of. It's like, no, I'm never going to do that. Um, so it's hard to find bands that do i mean it's not hard to find but i'm lazy uh interesting musical stuff that's technical without being that kind of technical right like that super shreddy stuff and it's like a fucking love tool and and um adam jones has a very specific style of playing that you can recognize it and like no one really sounds like them until earshot fucking tried to bite the shit out of them stupid earshot um but I was like, yeah, let me just listen to Tool. And so I've been playing a couple songs and it's been really fun. And and it's just their songs are all like eight minutes long. So it's so much to remember. And it's not their stuff is not repetitive. Their songs are really like a, a journey, right? It's like you start in one place and you end up something somewhere completely different. The theme stays the same throughout, but it's like there's so many variants. It's like they're like almost impossible to memorize. So the guy, Acts of Creation on YouTube, who's do- done tutorials on the guitar for almost all of their songs. I think he's in a Tool cover band because he talks about playing them live often. I'm like, there's no way you would know how to do this shit if you like weren't in it in it. So anyway, he's really cool. So I've just been listening to Tool a little bit playing. I've only I'm only gotten to halfway through because I was listening to the uh, the whole, you know, all their stuff. a the whole oeuvre. Um, but yeah, I just always kind of forget opiate and uh, undertow have like a special place in my heart cause they're so silly and not very good, but like they're rough. They're rough records, man. I, they, they're not super, super, uh, interesting anyway. And
0: random side note here yeah. that I, I just feel the need since we're talking about tool. My dad did not know who this man was, but has met, I maybe need to get the details again, but he actually sat next to and hung out with Maynard James Keenan. What? Uh, he own like he owns a bar. He owns something somewhere and he was there. And my what? dad was at the bar and my dad's a very gregarious person and talks a lot. And he was telling me about Maynard, about this guy. It was in a band. He was a famous guy in a band. And I'm just like, is his name managing? And he was like, yeah. And I was what? like, tool dad. Have you ever heard of tool? A perfect circle. He's was like, I don't know. He just told me that he was here cause he was, touring with his band, and it was a big band, and but I, we didn't talk about that. We just talked about the bar and just hung out about whatever. And what? so I don't know exactly where he was, but I will get more information because when he said that, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is... Yeah, so it's weird. I'll have to I'll have to revisit that as I listen to this to edit it out. But I'll get the full story.
1: Incredible. So.
0: I what know he fuck? had no idea too. I was like, it must be nice for him too, because he probably was like, re- again, refreshing to just talk to somebody who like doesn't give a shit about what yep. you do. I'm sure yeah. Bob loves that too. I mean, that's why he goes out in the world and like walks in a hoodie and shit. Like, I mean, it must <laughs> be nice to be like, hey, sir, what are you doing in my garbage? And I'll be like. Oh, thank God! They don't know who I am.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, as far as not music stuff, because I didn't really music stuff. Uh, I watched Bo Burnham's new special Inside. I mean, it's just like all the new comedy stuff, like Hannah Gatsby stand up, where like the first half, third-ish is funny, and then the rest of it's a fucking bummer fest. Which I mean, it's still like good art or whatever, but it's it's a bummer. So if you're looking for an actual comedy special, try somewhere else. Uh, but it's good. Uh, we watched Mitch the Mitchells versus the Machines which is a CG Sony Pictures movie that came out on Netflix so it's, it's a Netflix original
0: okay. Mitchells
1: versus the Machines yeah so it's about this family who is a little um they they have a little tensions they don't super get along very well it's a, the daughter and the dad don't get along very well um but they the robot apocalypse happens so they have to band together to save the world and it's really cute and it's animated beautifully um it's very like uh, I think the Gen Z kids would like it a lot because there's lots of internet references and things. But um, a- Abby Jacobson is the main girl in it. Uh, Danny McBride's the dad. Maya Rudolph's the mom. Um, Olivia Coleman plays the bad guy robot. Um, awesome. So very, it was very cute. Really good. Really good. Very watchable for a kid's movie. And uh, we started watching Search Party, which do you know? Have you, are you familiar? So, Search Party was a show on TBS uh, that came out in 2016 with uh, John Early, who's like a blonde gay dude comedian. Uh, you might have seen him in some other stuff, and then uh, it's starring uh, Al- Alia Shawkat, um, which, duh, maybe Rested Development, fucking amazing. Mm. But mm-hmm. it's like a it's a mystery. Um, kind of comedy horror a little bit. It's not like murdery gore stuff, but yeah, basically a friend, not even a friend of theirs. Like there's, there's four main people, John Early and Aaliyah Shackat, Aaliyah Shackat's boyfriend and then their other friend, Portia or whatever. So they, uh, an acquaintance of theirs in college, like who they knew in college, it's been six years since then, goes missing. And for some reason, Alia Shackat can't let it go. And she's like, we got to find it. Like you didn't even fucking know her, but she just like comes obsessed with it. And goes down this weird rabbit hole. There's this like sex cult. There's this like, weird thing parker posey's in it rosie perez is Whoa. in it for a second speaking of white men can't jump yeah there's so many fucking people and in it. it's incredible it's like uh michael schulwalter i don't know if you ever again comedy central heyday stuff he michael Ian oh, black yeah, yeah, and michael yeah, yeah. schulwalter yes, used to yes, have yes. a show called like yes. michael and michael i think um mm-hmm. uh, but yeah he's a producer wow. on it. he's actually in it for a couple episodes it's really really good anyway, it was on tbs but i got canceled and then i guess hbo max picked it up because now it's an hbo max original it's got four seasons we're only i think eight episodes into the first season but it's really really good it's really addicting if you like. Any kind of uh mystery uh show like station's super into it she loves like uh, crime stuff but it's like it's got enough like dark comedy elements into it like it's it's a lot like um what is it terrible people that show that was on hulu that had uh billy yeah.
0: eichner
1: yep. in it um oh that oh, i actually oh, really oh. like that yeah, it had ter- three seasons
0: I, I think it was terrible people yeah something like that yeah
1: Something like that. That show actually was really funny, and nobody really watched it. And then, um, like that show that we watched that I can't remember the name of right now. You're the worst. Yeah. So it's got that kind of element oh, to great. it, but then mm-hmm. also a mystery. So yeah, really cool a sh- search party. I would highly recommend. Okay. I mean, I'm super late to the party. People love this show. That's the reason it got picked up is because you know, it, like people were crazy that it, it got canceled because it was yeah everybody really, really liked it.
0: But well, that's yeah. that's a anyway. good sign. That's a good sign. That's gonna be good. So the best shows are the ones that are almost canceled. The rest of elements the. Happy endings, you know those kind of things. So, or the fucking ones always community. on the brink. Community and yeah. fucking um, Parks and Rec Parks too. And Rec. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, always great. Well, that's great. Good, good stuff. I, I did while you were talking. I thought of, uh, I was editing whatever the episode before where you talked about Tignataro in that Michael Bay movie. Oh yeah. And I was watching probably Red Letter Media or whatever. They did a review of that movie after you talked about it, and it looks like dog shit. I mean, it looks terrible. They hated oh, yeah. it too. Well, they were like, you know what? It's actually fine because it's like. Michael Bay, like his worst excesses were at at Bay, bad pun, huh. but like you know they weren't as bad. Um, but there's was like the camera; he was using a different type of camera, and it's horrible and it's terrible. Everything is mm. like far away. Everything like mm. it couldn't pick up things. Oh, far yeah. away. Anyways, Tignataro apparently because they they mentioned it too. They're like Tignataro is the best part about this movie. She yeah. is not in this movie really. And if you and if you don't know the behind the scenes, which I don't know if you do, you will be very confused because it's like because in your review you said Tignataro not really in this movie but she's here but she's not really here the reason is because the dude who was Tignataro ended up being like a sexual abuser and got canceled from the performance. So she came in. All of her shit is green screen. So everything that she's doing, what? including the talk in the fucking cage or whatever, where they're having a conversation, and it's like it's a million dollars. She's like, oh, I don't care. I'll do it for whatever or whatever. That first, I don't know if it's the first interaction, but you know what I'm talking about. Where yeah. they're it is yeah. recruiting her. So that they were talking to someone else. So everything they're like, as you watch it, you're going to notice on the screen at the end when they all go up to the top, and she's like in a helicopter, right? She's the helicopter person yeah, yeah. or whatever. It's all just. She's alone. She's just alone. Yeah. The entire movie. And you don't really see that
1: fucking. Cr- I had no idea. That is amazing. And that explains a lot. But like, oh, my God.
0: As for me, Kelly recommendation, I just want to shout out. Um, happy birthday as we record this to rough and rowdy ways that came out one year ago, um, which is already crazy. It's already been a fucking year, Kelly. God damn. Time is going. I thought you
1: were going to say happy birthday to all fathers because it's Father's Day.
0: It is Father's Day as we record. No, I'm going to happy birthday, <laughs> rough and rowdy ways. Bob Dylan's a father, so there you go. Um, in terms of uh, music, I did listen to a lot of random stuff. Um, I went back, I'm in my 1970s phase here, um, just because I, I feel like I need to hit like a certain amount of times I talk about Hanif Abdul Rakib all the time. He has a great um, website online where he writes a lot about music and he also makes playlists, random playlists. He made a playlist for 1972, 1974. He's made a 1976. So I'm just taking that listening to all of his recommendations from the seventies and putting them on my playlist. So it has been fantastic to do. And I've gone back. Of, of course, I re-listened to Janis Joplin, Pearl, excellent record. Um, who else? Old stuff. There's a band called mountain. The album is called Climbing. You would definitely recognize one of the songs on there. Also great, I listened to The Impressions, um, Joni Mitchell, uh, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. I'd never listened to that before from 1978, I want to say. Uh, there's a band called Death that has a really famous, um, kind of like a Rodriguez, Searching for Sugar Man um, documentary mm-hmm. about it, because they were a very, very early proto-punk band from Detroit, um, a bunch of young black kids making, like, great music and is still great today like has an urgency that a lot of punk bands today can't even match up to i listened to the allman brothers again i listened to more joni mitchell john prine david bromberg Cur- curtis uh, mayfield uh, from the impressions um all that kind of stuff afi came out with the new record um a fire inside i don't know how much you've oh, ever my listened God. to afi oh, my God. it's good it's really good
1: okay so uh little mini tangent I was listening to my like release radar playlist yeah. for Spotify and it's just like it's not very good I don't know what I'm doing it's I, I don't know what I'm doing to Spotify to make it th- bad but it's it's bad but um,
0: French trap yeah I
1: was fixing yeah for trap I was fixing the fence outside because my dog he's escape escaping so that's been really irritating um, I like the a song came on that was like a pretty standard like gay uh, house techno song and I was like okay whatever uh, and then suddenly, a little like,
0: <laughs> Davey Havoc?
1: Yes, yes. I was like, oh my god, they got a nice little like gay boy to sing on the song. That's cute because usually they go with like a, a woman. And I was like, huh, oh, this little like effeminate man just like dreams, water, la la la. And then I looked at my phone. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, Davey TV- Havoc?
0: What the fuck? That's great. Did you
1: know that I he love does it. shit like that? No, oh, I have no God. idea.
0: I mean, they went through a weird period. Like I I don't know. They've kind of like again times change. Like they got so much flack from punk communities for doing December Underground and all that stuff back in 2003 to 2007 and stuff. And like Bodies, the the newest record, it it, they're not a punk band anymore. Mm. Like it, it, there is there is some new wave on here. There's some no wave. There's some slow core. There's and then some really like fast, fun, sort of like halfway punk if you squint your eyes type of stuff. It's great. I think that they're in such a good place and they're the same band that they were twenty years ago. That's also impressive. Every one of the members, Hunter, oh, wow. and all of them are still huh. the same band, which I think is really, really awesome and makes the continuity of the sound at the end of the day once they're gone and we're all like older it'll be nice to go back and listen all the way through and i love it i love them and th- this album is great i love bodies i recommend bodies like nice. for sure and AFI, I recommend AFI. AFI is awesome. Uh, I finished season one with my grandma of The Good Place, the nice. rewatch of The Good Place. Oh my God, season one is impeccable. And just watching it and seeing all the people and knowing this is my first real rewatch of the show. I don't know if grandma totally understands what's going on here. Yeah. Um, Because it is it is high concept. I really, it's not that I forgot it. It's just like, Oh yeah. The, the philosophy is incredibly important. Finally, the last thing that I did this week. Um, I don't know if I'd really call this like that watershed of a moment for me just because I, it's not really that it's not really a show, but I did go out to, they got a, a venue here called the Levitt. There's apparently eight other Levitt's could just like an outdoor venue. Hmm. Um, that's free. So it's free music. The city of Sioux falls. Oh, spoiler alert. That's where I am. <laughs> puts it on. And, um, Yeah, no, we just went out on the lawn and we watched an artist called, his name is Bo DePena. He's from Texas, has an album. He made a joke of this. He's like, I'm from Texas. I made an album called Montana Sky, and this song is about Colorado. And then he (laughs) plays this, a lot of Colorado stuff. So he's a huge Colorado person. I don't know. He probably lived there for a long time. But this is the first show that I can really say that I've been to. And, you know, it's just one of those like sitting on a grassy knoll, Got your little chairs. You sit down. You watch. And he's just kind of a country, country artist. But but you know, kind of, he's young. He's twenty years old. So so it was good. He was a good songwriter. He had a good show. And you know, he's really excited. He was like, "This is by far the biggest show I've ever played." Uh I was like, "You know, good for them. Good for everybody. You know, we're getting back to the music, and I'm sure they're ready to go, ready to make money." And, you know, hopefully a lot of people survive this whole thing. So every day now I see on Instagram a new show is coming up, a new tour, a new this, a new that. I'm like, not only is it like, oh, here's all my money, but also, you know, like, I don't know, like... I hope it all goes off. I hope we are over it. I would love to see a show. That's where I'm at. You know, watching this, I'm like, this is great and all. And I could see me being in a really tiny bar and watching him. And I would probably love that a lot more. And now I'm like, I just miss going to a tiny bar. Mm -hmm. I miss 80 people. I miss losing my mind over 80, you know, just a tiny crowd with a great band. So we here at Sign on the Window have weathered this storm. You've been listening here first as we have talked about how you can't go to shows? You weren't sure if you could <laughs> or couldn't go to shows, but we're telling you. Hopefully soon, we will go to shows. Strap in. Yeah. I don't know when I would buy a ticket. Kelly, also, I I have one hundred and fifty dollars at Revolution That's Hall right. in terms of food and beer, and I swear to God, <laughs> we have to go at some point to fucking use yeah. it because I'm going to forget. We will
1: go when you come out here for sure. I mean, it'd be cool to take my mom there, even just to check it out because it's a you know it's a cool place. It's like a Kennedy School kind of thing, you know.
0: It is. All right, Kelly. Well, I will see you uh, next week for sure. But Kelly, this is the end of the show.
1: Wow. I can't believe we made it.
0: It is great to be done. And it's great to be a music video month, which means for you, you don't have to look up anything. Yay. must be nice.
1: What a relief.
0: But unfortunately for you, it means that we're kind of scraping a barrel here. So there's some great songs that I'm like, we could do. We could just do a great song. <laughs> we could do it most of the time. We could do Visions of Johanna. And I'm like, nah, we'll do that for later. We're going to do the bad ones first. So, we're going to do a bad one. We're going to do a song that you and I have actually talked about, and some of your work is already done for you, Kelly, because you can go back and listen to episode 60 oh. for Empire Burlesque. And we yes. have a song that you'll remember this song, the title at least, called Emotionally Yours.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: We will be going back to the same warehouse that Bob Dylan was in for When the Night Comes Falling from the Sky. It's just be- him, be- be- just him and a guitar. There's no weird. Lunging musicians if you've <laughs> um so we're gonna we're going to enjoy next week and we'll talk about how we're not into emotionally yours so come back next week for us we have three hundred and sixty one songs left, three hundred and sixty after next week we're we're I can see the light through the tunnel, Kelly oh
1: man, emotionally yours
0: emotionally yours emotionally yours, yeah, I mean, it's basically that
1: wow great.
0: Good. So we'll make a really, really we'll try to make a really, really good playlist for this one to really offset what we have to do here. But we do have a video, so watch some stuff from 1985 again. We'll talk about that. All right, Kelly, it's been fun. I'll see you next week for Emotionally Yours. Okay, bye. Bye. Coins on the
1: sidewalk, coins
0: in the palm of my hand. Coins in the ass crackle the eyes of a dead man. Thrown from the shadow. Yeah, that's crap.